By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. The wakes crested beside the boat as it moved through the ocean water. The wind was blowing calmly over the bow as Elise looked off toward the coast. In the distance, she could see the famed city of Brile, the heart of Malarus's empire, and a city that longed to be away from the heart of Orne. Where every other city on the continent belonged to one of the many duchies, Brile's staunch independence made it unique. Only Yark, the heart of Dahar's empire, shared similar attributes to Brile. Both were ran by the gods, though Malarus had an active interest in Brile's security and safety. Even though his grand temple was there, he also had a grand palace. He stayed there regularly and made sure to mingle with the commoners. All those who worshipped him could see him regularly, and he made sure to be an effervescent presence in their lives. Elise rarely, if ever, left the Isle of Wartan, and if she did, she didn't go far off the coast. Her father saw her less as an emissary and a diplomat, and more as a trophy to be looked upon. Eblis was the warrior, Elise was the trophy. He had dreams and ambitions that one day she would marry into one of the royal houses in Urine and strengthen the alliances between them and the Isle of Wartan. He had no intentions of Elise becoming a diplomat or having to actually serve politically. However, he could not deny her ambitions much longer. Elise's stark love for her people was undeniable. She and Eblis both cared deeply for their survival, and while Sonye and Rylegek were trying to figure out ways to not assist them, Evelis and Elise did everything they could, too. Elise was frustrated with Sonye's stark pessimism when it came to the affairs of the outside world. She believed that everyone could be convinced to help others. However, she knew it would always come at a cost. Evelis walked along the boat and conversed with all of the crew. He helped them tie knots and secure the sails as they moved further along through the water. Brawl was coming up in the distance and they had to prepare to dock at the port. They had their orders, but they knew they weren't expected. They did not have enough time to send an emissary to alert them that the two members of the royal family of the Isle of Morton would be arriving. It was not uncommon throughout Denai for dignitaries to arrive unannounced. However, Rylegate liked to keep appearances and he liked to maintain decorum. He would always send emissaries to alert others when his children would be arriving. Time was of the essence and he could not do that this time, so Elise and Eblis would arrive in Brile unannounced. An audience with Malarus would be difficult, however, they hoped their clout would allow them entrance. Though they had traveled along the ocean for four days, the trip seemed like it took eternity. The weather was calm and the wind blew perfectly to get them where they needed to go, but the rays of the sun were violent. Eblis stood beside his sister as they saw Brile come up toward them in the distance. Have you ever thought you'd be parlaying with a god? inquired Eblis to his sister. Elise did not lock eyes with her brother and instead kept her eyes focused on the Grand Temple of Malarus before her. I have not, but I've always imagined I'd be a dignitary one day, even if that's not what Father wanted. Evelis scoffed and turned around. He placed his hand on Elise's shoulder and patted gently. What Father wants and what Father gets are two completely different things, sister. He always gets what he needs, but sometimes that's not what he wants. Evelis walked away, knowing that his father was probably wrong. What he wanted for his daughter was not for her to become a dignitary at all. However, now she was the only hope that the Isle of Wartan had. If Malarus and the people of Brawl would not help them, they would soon fall victim to the might of Urne and all seven of the duchies. 
After a few more minutes at sea, the ship began to dock in the port of Brile. Several ships were lined along the harbor, all unloading their goods from various treks around Dunai. Several dockmasters held clipboards and walked around, inspecting the goods as they came off. Each crew continued to work tirelessly while the captain of each ship had to deal with the magistrate personally. With Eblis and Elise looking on carefully, they could see currency trading hands. Several gold coins would be going to and from the magistrate, whether legitimately or illegitimately. Goods and commerce had to travel, and these captains knew just how to do it. As the ship pulled into the harbor and tied itself down, a member of the local magistrate walked up to the gangplank. He stepped onto the boat and inspected the crew, with both Elise and Eblis looking on as he approached. I'm going to need your docking fee as well as any permits to come in. Elise looked at him with concern as Ebelus stepped forward. I'm afraid we don't have either of those. We are from the Isle of Warton and we're here to parley with Malarus or any other dignitary who will see us. It's quite bold of you to assume that Malarus or any others would see someone just coming off of a boat. I will need to see some identification and paperwork about your ship and your point of origin before you will be allowed to disembark, announced the magistrate. Ebelus closed his eyes and huffed as Elise stepped forward. She had never been in this situation before, but she felt naturally inclined to assist. Sir, my name is Elise Mertrand, and I am the daughter of Rylegek Mertrand. You will let us off this boat and you will lead us to Malaris or whoever will see us. You will not detain us, nor will you shake us down like some common ship. We are members of the royal family of the Isle of Orton. You can see the crest and insignia on several parts of the vessel. While you may be inclined to assume that it is a counterfeit, I assure you it is not. We are the royal family of the Isle of Warton, and we will see Malaris or whoever will see us that is related to him. Do you understand me? Elise's firm tone did not move the magistrate. However, someone behind him did. A younger woman in ornate robes stepped up to the gangplank and approached the member of the magistrate. Excuse me, sir, but these people need to come with us. The member of the magistrate turned to the young woman, a priest for the Temple of Malaris. And why is that? he asked rudely because they are guests of Malaris and he is expecting them. The member of the magistrate rolled his eyes. However, when it came down to the affairs of state, he could not ignore a priest. Please, Elise, Ebelus, come with me. The high priest would like to see you before your audience with Malaris. Elise and Ebelus looked at each other in surprise, not aware that someone knew they were coming. However, it was not uncommon for a god to be omniscient to what was going on around him. With the member of the magistrate still on the ship, Elise and Ebelus stepped past him and onto the gangplank. With the priest in front of them, Clad in dark purple and silver robes, they followed them along the streets and looked out at the many merchants who were peddling their goods. Brawl was not like anything they had ever seen. They had heard the stories of the grandeur of the city on the coast, however, it did him no justice. The buildings were tall and the streets were made of cobblestone. Everything was clean and ornate, just as Malaris intended. The people took pride in the city and they showed their love to the god by keeping it that way. The Grand Temple of Malaris cast a massive shadow over the city while the palace of Malaris was equally as such, located in the center of the city, surrounded by everyone. While the priest told the member of the magistrate that she was taking Elise and Ebelus to the Grand Temple, instead she turned down an alley and took them toward the palace of Malaris. The high priest does not wish to see you, she announced as she made the turn. You will be speaking directly to Malaris and his subordinates. Elise stepped up toward the priest with curiosity in her eyes. Might I ask how Malaris knew we were coming? The priest scoffed as she kept moving along the path. He didn't, not until you arrived. However, once you docked in the port, he knew where you were and where you came from. Rumors have already swirled of a terrible event that happened on the Isle of Warton. Malaris is aware that it's only a matter of time before the duchies begin to swirl.
Their lust for blood knows no bounds, and the ability to subjugate the island of Warton is something that many of them have wanted to do for generations. Though I can't tell you what advantages it would possess, Malars would know more of that. Any chance the duchies have to gain advantage over each other, they're going to take it. The priests led Ebelus and Elise down the long path. At the end of it was the palace of Malarus, and once in front of it, the grandeur overtook the two guests. This is where I leave you, announced the priest as she turned around and walked away. Malarus will greet you on the inside. Good luck to you. I wish you nothing but the best. And with the priest walking away, Ebelus and Elise looked up the steps. The palace of Malarus was before them, and soon they would be parlaying directly with a god. Scare stood at the gates of Zertal and looked into the structures. Several harpies flew overhead, but he was told that he would be safe so long as he kept to the path. If his curiosity got the best of him and he ventured off toward the trees, he risked being maimed by the claws of the harpies. They were typically calm and kept to themselves, however, they were easily stirred, and once they were stirred they became remarkably violent. The trek from Tirjet was not arduous or difficult. Scare was used to traveling along by boat, however, he decided this time he would travel by land. Upon leaving Tirdred, he traveled south to the village of Ferencia. From there he crossed the lake into the Karingas Bluffs and went down toward the river where Zertal was resting peacefully along it. To the west was Sirman, a hub for Nerilil and her followers. To the east was Jerost, a city he knew he should not travel to. Korostas, an organization that dealt with slavery, made their home in Jerost and Scare knew it would be wise to steer clear. He didn't want to end up in bondage. He wanted to make his way back to the Isle of Wharton. He walked along the dusty path with the trees on both sides. Several tree houses were overhead, and the chirping of the harpies made for an awful ambience. At any moment, they could swoop down if they were stirred. However, as Scare left his eyes up, he noticed they were calm and perched. They were watching him, but they weren't acting. So far, he was safe though he didn't know how long that would last. In the distance, he could see the Grand Temple of Talgis. The path leading there had several huts where the villagers lived. They lived in harmony with the harpies and tended to them. A great deal of Talgis's followers were violent. Scare was aware of this and made sure to keep to himself. He had to speak to the high priest and potentially to Talgis. He had no business with the villagers of Zertal, nor the harpies. His first mission, before anything else, was to remain alive. The second was to get assistance on the Isle of Wharton to deal with the might of Xylene. It was a well-known fact throughout Denai that Talgis and Xylene had an alliance. Scare was hoping, through the advice of Darilius, that he could convince Talgis to broker a peace between them. He had no intention of joining Xylene, nor did the Isle of Wharton. The Matron family made it clear they would not swear fealty to a deity. However, Scare knew something had to be done. The Naga were continuously swarming around the Isle of Wharton, and too many people were in danger. The Matrond family were looking after their own interests as well as those who lived on the island. Scare knew he had to go outside of their boundaries to protect everyone. He was worried they were somewhat short-sighted. He knew it was just, but he had to take care. Traveling to Zertal and parlaying with Talgis and his high priest was that chance. With their assistance, the people on the Isle of Wharton would be safe for generations. Scare made his way up the steps to the Grand Temple. He looked at the two large golden doors inside. The grandeur of the gods knows no bounds. He quipped before opening them up and walking in to find solid green floors and tall marble, thus depicting the god of the atmosphere. Talgis was not a very humble god and was very proud of the work that he did. His vanity knew no bounds, nor did his ego. 
He was very proud and very strong, and his followers all made sure he knew it. They continuously built statues of him to depict his might. They continuously showered him with lavish gifts, while equally worshipping him without bound. Upon walking into the Grand Temple, Scare immediately noticed several priests on their knees bowing before one of the marble busts. Scare tilted his head and grimaced at the sight. Seeing someone swear fealty to a deity was not something he was accustomed to, nor was it something he supported. It is quite uncouth to look down on the believers, announced a voice from the far end of the room. Scare immediately turned toward it to see a man in green robes folding his arms across his chest in disdain, looking down at Scare as he stood in awe of the priests. Perhaps you were lost. Perhaps you need help finding your way, announced the man in the corner. Scare smiled and immediately walked toward him, heading past the priests over toward where he was standing in between two busts of Talgis. I'm not lost. I'm here to meet with the high priest and hopefully to meet with the god of the atmospheres, he said while immediately getting to the point. Scare wasted little time with pleasantries or small talk. He was very blunt and always got to the point, something that served him well in Teardrit. The man laughed heartily at Scare's response. Who dares come and immediately want to see the god of the atmosphere? Are you mad, or do you simply have a death wish? Scare stood still and put his hands on his hips. I wouldn't say that I have a death wish, but I do have hope that he can help me keep my island alive. The man rolled his eyes as he looked over at Scare. I don't think Taldus is meant to help you with that. If you have problems with an island, you're better off talking to Xylene. Scare shook his head slightly while looking at the man. I'm afraid Xylene might be our problem. The remark from Scare made the man laugh. Ah, so you're hoping Talgis can help you fix this. You're hoping Talgis can be the go-between. Scare nodded slightly while stepping forward. I was hoping Talgis could talk some sense into the god of the tides. The man chuckled and turned around. I don't think that's going to happen, but perhaps you should talk to the high priest. Scare closed his eyes and nodded. I was hoping you would say that. The man turned and walked through a hallway with Scare closely behind. Now on his way to see the high priest, Scare was preparing himself for whatever would come. He had heard the high priest was very aggressive and had a quick temper. He was not someone who was rational, but instead was someone who acted on impulse. Scare knew he had to keep his wits about him and not anger the high priest. He had to speak directly, but he also needed to speak with some nuance to make sure he got his message across without angering him. Once at the end of the hallway, Scare and the man that he was following came to a large green door. The man reached down and grabbed a golden doorknob and turned it, pulling it back to reveal the high priest's chamber. Unlike the rest of the Grand Temple, the high priest's chamber did not have a lot of busts of Talgis, but instead had a giant painting on the far wall. As he entered and continued to look around, he noticed something quite peculiar. Instead of seeing the high priest standing at an altar preparing a sermon, he saw the person he was truly there to see. Before him stood the god of the atmosphere, Talgis, in the flesh. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.